Hi, I'm Isabella. And I'm Jeff. We're two Asian Australians who want to explore what it means to be Asian in the West. And you're listening to As I Am. It has been a hot second since we've been back, Jeff and I, recording an episode on our own without any of our guests, um, and we are super excited to be back. But before we get started, we would like to make an acknowledgement of country. So we'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we are recording, which are the Rwandri lands of the Kulin Nation, and we repay um, our respects to the elders past, present, and any of the Aboriginal elders of other communities who may be listening today. So, Jeff, quick update from the As I Am team. Anything you want to relay? Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely been a hot second. We've taken a break from recording um over the last few uh, last few months actually, just because we did Asian Futures, which um you you guys might have attended or you might have seen on social media, and that took up a lot of time. But it was such uh, an amazing event. It was done by pure luck we escaped lockdown yeah. just by a second like Isabel and I talk about this so much if we had planned the event a night before the subsequent lockdowns like six or five mm. or I don't know I've lost track mm-hmm. now um for those of us in Melbourne we wouldn't have made it because lockdown starts yeah. at like 8 p.m now or like 9 p.m and then that yeah. night it was yeah. midnight so we just made it and I think that on top of all the nervous energy we had it was just such a good evening but then afterwards <laughs> i was i was exhausted i was so yeah. tired oh my like God. That, that build up so much adrenaline and it just goes away so quickly and i don't know i was still buzzing though it was absolutely oh, insane for sure. and for sure yeah and like even with like the dates that we had planned for asian futures like we didn't re- we didn't change it once like we were kind of like all right let's stick to 15th of july and yeah it just worked out so we crazy luck crazy 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 luck um and honestly it was i think one of the most rewarding things we've ever done on the podcast it was amazing to kind of see the community come together i think often in a podcast i often forget that there's an audience sometimes i just you know i'm like oh it's just it's fine it's jeff and i who listen to this episode in our team and no one else really listens to it so it was quite humbling to see you know, people come out, um, not only listeners, but also other people from the community. Um, and it really was just a beautiful evening. And yeah, so grateful and humbled that we actually actually got to pull it off. Yeah, it, was, it was so lucky. And I guess um, beyond that, a couple other updates from the team. Um, we've unfortunately had to say goodbye to our marketing lead, Jess. Um, yeah. um, but we've brought on two new people um, and we're going to introduce them to you guys shortly. But um, Jess, if you're listening to this, thank you so much for all the work that you've done <laughs> over the last year. Um, Isabella and I and the team will definitely miss you heaps. Yeah, for sure. Um, to segue though to this episode, unless you want to update further, Jeff? No, no, that's pretty much it. I think um, we want to do something a bit more lighthearted because obviously <laughs> yeah. we're all stuck in lockdown and Lockdown six has just felt so different from the others. I oh think my god! Yeah. Everything else before this, I've been like, "Yep, yeah, thumbs up, I'm fine, no worries." And this one, I'm just like, Ugh, you know, it's yeah. Just I think bad. it's like our two hundred and tenth or something or so day in lockdown, which is That's a, depressing. Not a goal to be proud of. <laughs> That's depressing. That's not a milestone you want <laughs> to just proudly 
stand on our state, yeah. but know, yeah. it is what it is. So it Isabella worse. and I thought we don't really want to talk about something super serious right now, something that's heavy. We want to talk about something lighthearted, something that we both have a strong passion for. So we thought, you know, no better time than to talk about one of our favorite cartoons of all time, Avatar. Oh, TV shows just hands down, honestly. Avatar, The Last Airbender. So those that don't know about Avatar, it's, I mean, I'm hoping and I'm assuming that most of our audience know about so. Avatar The Last Airbender. But if you don't, <laughs> um, essentially, you know, it's an American animated TV show that was produced by Nickelodeon in the early 2000s. I think mm-hmm. it aired between like 2005 and 2008. So it's set in a world that's comprised of four nations. Um, so each is defined by a single element. So you have, what I can't, I can't not say in the tone that she says it. Like, yeah, do it in the tone then. <laughs> Water. (laughs) What's the next one? Earth? Earth. Fire. Fire. Air. Anyways. Anyways. um, Sorry. There are gifted people in this world um, who are known as benders, who are able to essentially manipulate any of these elements. And essentially the whole premise of the show is that, you know, the four nations used to live in peace until the Fire Nation attacked, um, who essentially are like a pseudo, not even pseudo, like a full out totalitarian regime um, that, you know, honestly just attacks and exploits and oppresses the other nations. But the only one who can save the whole nation and bring the world into balance is the Avatar, who essentially is like this reincarnation of a bender, of a master bender. Um, wait, no, is that the right term? He Essentially, he's like reborn as a different member yeah, of all the yeah. four nations. Yeah, and we'll talk about this a bit later, but the yeah. Avatar f- essentially fused with the light spirit known as Rava. Yes. And every time that person, the Avatar dies, the spirit gets transferred to someone yes. else and the cycle yes. of rebirth continues. Yes. Yeah. But the important thing to know about the Avatar is that he can master all four elements. Um, so in this particular series, we follow you know, this iteration of the Avatar, who is a 12-year-old monk, um, who is an airbender named Aang, um, and we essentially follow his adventures with this tag team um, of friends and sidekicks and all that, essentially, you know, while he masters all the four elements and defeats the Fire Nation. Um, Confession, though, I didn't watch Avatar until last year when it was premiered on netflix i know i know i'm about asian but holy shit like it is hands down i think like my number one tv show if not yeah actually yeah it okay. definitely comfortably sit as my number one tv show Eric. Okay. it yes. was just amazing what do you think <laughs> i don't think anyone would blame you for saying that it is it is one of those cartoons or tv shows where i think the older you get the more you appreciate it it's like the simpsons Mm -hmm. the simpsons is one of my favorite tv shows and when you're a kid um when it's on 6 p.m channel 10 it's a cartoon it's it's you know you just like animation because you're a kid but when the older you get you notice all the intent behind different scenes the way they add cultural references the way they add pop culture references into it Mm. Mm-hmm. And it's the exact same thing with Avatar. I think when you get older, you understand all the, the, the notions of culture, and particularly Asian culture, um, that influences the TV show. And I think like the more you watch it, the more you love it. So oh, 100%. no one's going to blame you if you say it's your favorite TV show. It's definitely <laughs> up there. It's definitely up there. When did you watch it? Were you a kid when you watched oh, it? Oh, 100%. I've watched... I've watched The Last Airbender from start to finish, all three books, a conservative estimate of nine times. 
Oh my god. Oh and, my god. Yeah, Nine and, times. Yeah, and then Cora, maybe like three times. <laughs> so I'm a I'm a stan. I'm a stan. <laughs> yeah, I can't argue with that. I can't argue with that. Um no, it is and, and to be honest, like I think preparing for this um episode has been one of my favorites. Like it's just so <laughs> nice to like watch it as an excuse for research um but i mean serious question though what element do you think you would bend and second question what do you want to bend like do those align what you want to bend and what you are yeah i think that they're two different things from ever since i was a kid i've wanted to be an earthbender really yeah yeah i think there's (laughs) the 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 martial arts that they incorporate into Um, the animation, which is like the reason why the fight scenes look really realistic because a lot of them are real people and they're, yeah. they're, they're animating that, <clears throat> which is awesome. Um, I think just the, the style of it and almost like the practicality of it, um, mm. where it's just like earth is everywhere. Mm. And obviously when you like consider things down the track, like metal bending, lava bending, I think those mm. are just like really, really cool. But mm-hmm. I love that there's this distinction of personalities that are associated with the elements and you see that right. throughout the tv show and like earthbenders are very stubborn mm. they're very like grounded to the earth and they're just like unmoving and mm-hmm. i think for me personally i can be stubborn at times but i think with my personality it's more aligned to something like water oh right. which is a bit more yeah. like fluid adaptable yeah. a bit yeah. more flexible yeah. that sort of thing yeah definitely not aggressive um, enough to be yeah. a firebender. I don't like confrontation. No, I don't think you're <laughs> And then airbender's just like, I'm, I'm not chill enough to be an airbender either. So <laughs> I think I want to be an earthbender, but I think personality-wise, I suit waterbending. I would contest that. I actually think you... I, I, I would view you as an earthbender, not in terms of the that stubbornness. So but No, but I reckon... I feel like you're a very grounded person, like you're very principled, and you're like, I know what I want. And I'm just gonna go for it. I'm no, you're an earthbender. You're 100 percent earthbender. <laughs> That's the best thing anyone's ever said to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh no, what about you? What about you? Um, I okay. So I'm I'm torn. I think like I'd love to be an airbender. I don't know. Like I love. I, maybe I just love like the idea of like flight. Like I just love like the airiness of it and the freedom that encapsulates. Um. That being said, though, I think I'm more of a waterbender. Mm. I mean, and I asked my partner about this. I was like, oh, my God, I don't even know what element I am. And he was like, oh, I reckon you're either an earth or water. But I don't think I'm, like, principled enough to be an earthbender. An earthbender. I don't know. I just feel like I I crave change. I like to be flexible mm. and adaptable. I think that's more water related mm-hmm. um but something about being an airbender really appeals to me because i don't know i quite like maybe it's just the idea of freedom and i i, I don't like to be caged in perhaps mm-hmm. um definitely a firebender i agree with you i'm not super aggressive in that respect um although i do like the notion of just being able to kind of control fire up like that also the mm-hmm. ambition of firebenders i think that's something to be said mm-hmm. um but For i mean sure. you know might not sure. be the avatar. Why not be all four elements, you know? Yeah. Like, dream big. <laughs> For sure. I mean, like, there's there's a really weird thing when I always reflect on my childhood where it's, like, the personality of people, the colours they like, and subsequently, it's, like, if you were a kid that liked red, for some mm. reason, a lot of those kids had very similar personalities. Mm. Mm-hmm. And you would tend to be 
a firebender as well. Mm. It's like there's this weird like thing that I always think about. It's like the association with like colors mm. and like personality. Like I've I've loved blues my entire life. Yeah. And like yeah. greens and browns and stuff. Yeah. And it's like it's I don't know. It was just a weird <laughs> thought. It was just like if you if you saw a kid and it like or you saw someone, you could kind of pick if they were like a firebender. Yeah. It's just yeah. like you are you yeah. are one of those types. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. For yeah. Sure. Okay. So have you watched have you watched Cora? Oh my god, yeah. I finished Avatar last year. So when mm-hmm. it came out, I fi- I finished it in I think over a span of like 2 or 3 months. I really wanted to take my time with it. Um but right. I needed like a full month to like mourn and recover from it. Like, you know, it's still sad finishing a whole TV show. And yeah. I don't know, I remember thinking I was I was very hesitant about starting Cora cuz I was like, "Oh no, it's not like Avatar. Like it's a whole new mm. series." Cora was amazing. Mm. It is so good. It's really um good. But I don't know. I think in my heart of hearts, like I think the last Avenger, it just has like a a place in my heart that Cora can't really replace. Yep. That being said, Cora, like huge respect to that series. Like I think it was amazing for introducing you know really mature themes, and she was also like super ambiguously queer. And I don't know, it was great to kind of see a woman in action. Yeah. But I don't know. To this day, I, I still think I've, I have a very strong attachment to Aang. What about yeah. you? Who's the Avatar I, goat? <laughs> yeah, I, I well, yeah, I definitely agree with you. And I think the vast majority of people would say the same. Um, I think Korra gets a lot of hate um, because... Does it get a lot of hate? Well, not, no. Hate's, okay, hate's definitely the wrong word, but I think it's not necessarily, like, the best way to benchmark it against, like... Airbent, the last airbender is a one. Yeah, they're so different. Yeah. They're so different because I think they've done a great job because the, uh, the Legend of Korra feels like a natural evolution with the audience. Yeah. Because like 2005, mm. 2006, we were super young. Like what were mm-hmm. we, like 10? Um, and I think I watched it like 10 to 12. And then Korra comes out like 10 years. No, not 10 years later, like six, seven, eight years later. And it just feels like a natural evolution. There's really mature themes. Like they talk about depression and anxiety. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And obviously Cora towards the end of the season is like, oh, she's actually queer. And like the, the writers mm. came, the, the writers of the show came out. They were like, yeah, she is. Like, deal Oh my with God, it. that was confirmed. I thought it was yeah. ambiguous. Oh my yeah. God. They confirmed it. That. It's like stuff Aww. like that is just, and obviously like Cora's a woman who's really strong. Yeah. Um, I think all these great themes just make sense for a more mature audience. Yeah. And I will say, like, Aang for me was a better avatar, but it was good to see that, you know, they had this strong sense of justice, but it meant something different to each person. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'd I, I like that distinction in personality. I thought it was a great transition between the two avatars. Oh, for sure. And I think, like, Korra really complicates Aang as a character as well, right? Because I mm. feel like when we watch The Last Airbender, it's kind of like, you know, Aang is this hero, not in like a super cliche way, but, you know, you can't. You, I felt like it was not, it was hard to not root for him. And I think everyone, he's, he's a very sympathetic character, right? And he's a hero mm. you can get around. Um, but I, what I really liked about Korra was like the nuances that was brought in about, you know, Aang being like this father figure to Tenzin and, you know, him not being present or him. Because you remember mm. that whole conflict about like Tenzin feeling like he had to live up to his father's expectations. Yeah. And like that aspect of, you know, Aang as an adult man with real problems and, you know, real character flaws, I think was really humanizing. Mm. And I think that's what feeds into this really mature element of Korra that I think, you know, completely echoes your point of 
it reflecting the nature of the audience um and i agree like it's such a natural progression and yeah i think it's very unfair to compare avatar ang and avatar Korra because you're just in different worlds as well like ang Mm. is set like avatar ang in his world is set like i don't know i feel like it's in like historic times i don't know everything feels quite um not medieval what's the right word for it it's like um it felt like imperial times yeah imperial that's right yeah yeah Yeah. still a lot of palaces and stuff like that yeah 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 whereas like they just have they have cars in um in cabbage corp cabbage corp (laughs) (laughs) that is like the single best element of world building i've seen it's like this guy He's down his mm. luck. He can't sell his cabbages and he's built an empire of cars. The best long-running joke, honestly. It's perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. Um, but to go... I mean, did you have any other thoughts on Cora, though? I, I feel like she doesn't... I feel like she's super underrated. And I wish... Maybe our next episode should be a deep dive into Cora. <laughs> yeah. I No, I love I love Cora. I think... Um, I think it's a different vibe as well, where she started yeah. off with three elements versus the one that Aang, Aang had because she in the first oh in the God, first book she dude. had three elements already and so wait, sorry mm. you've read the books wait sorry i that was something i just didn't clarify at the beginning so at, so did have you read the books in tandem with the tv show as well oh no because like the series are called books oh my god sorry yep yeah like book yep. one book two yeah mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. um the first one is like air and then after that it's like spirit bending and then yeah. a lot of it's mm-hmm. like personal mm-hmm. development yeah. Versus necessarily mastering the elements. Yeah. And obviously, like, she learns yeah. metal bending. Mm-hmm. Um, I th- Does she learn blood bending? I think at some point she learned blood bending. Anyway, she, like, learns all that sort of stuff. Yeah, and, right. um, and obviously that part is super exciting. But I think the personal development part of it is really, really good. And, yeah. what's oh God, Actually, yeah. no, great question. Um, what's your favorite episode? From Avatar or Korra? Both. Oh, God. Okay, um, Avatar I had prepped for, but not Korra. So this gonna I'm gonna have to think on my feet for that one. For Avatar though, I had th- t- like three like three top contenders. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one that stood out to me was technically two episodes, so it was like the season finale of season one. So it was like the Siege of the North, part one and part two. Mm-hmm. I just remember that really like good. that. Yeah, it was just like a very indelible part of my memory because I think that was the first time that I was like, fuck. This is a great TV show. Mm. I think it just had all the elements of like, you know, it's an exciting TV show. It had like, it was action packed, complex characters. Like it was just amazing. And it all kind of tied in together in this really great season finale. That's the first one. The second one um, is Tales of Passing Say. Just, oh. I forgot about that one. (laughs) It is so good. I can't. And especially. Especially Uncle Iroh's scene. Oh, oh my God. Anytime I hear that song, Sweet so from the Vine, Waterworks, <laughs> like guaranteed. Oh. That is um, so sad. It was so. <sighs> oh my God. I can't. No, nah, no. Nah, let's, 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 let's move on. I can't. I, I, yeah. <laughs> that's no, just so it's... sad. <laughs> oh my God. Are you crying? Oh, it's so sad. Oh, it was a very it. yeah. It was yeah. a very emotional episode. Um, and finally, Susan's comment. I mean, I feel like I sound basic when I say that, but it truly was an epic finale to an epic TV show. Yeah. Um. So that those are my Avatar ones. Give me a sec, and I'll come back to you on Cora. But what were your favorite Avatar episodes? Um. Oh, yeah, definitely Tales of Barsingse is is up there. 
And then yeah. the one I also really loved was the one where um, Aang meets uh, Guru. Um, oh, what's his name? Guru Patik. And he learns to unlock all his oh, different the chakras. chakras. Yes. So he can achieve oh the Avatar God. state. Yep. Mm-hmm. For two reasons. Number one, I think that progression, um, the character development is awesome. Yeah. Um, the reference to South Asian culture is awesome. Mm-hmm. And a lot of like mm-hmm. Eastern medicine, because it's very like holistic. You think about mm-hmm. the body as a whole um, compared to Western medicine, but it's very much like point fixes. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a really cool idea. And during that episode where um, I can't remember which chakra it was, but the scene where he, the guru is talking about, oh, like everything is one, like the four nations are one, mm. the elements are one. Mm. Um, well, I just got like, shivers. I just like got even, chills. Yeah, even metal <laughs> is just refined earth and like yeah. tough is in the cage. And that's when she like learns oh God, metal stop. bending. Oh my God, stop. Like, chills, Jeff, chills. Oh, that, that, is, that is like one of the top scenes. And then obviously like, you know, there's... Also, that character development of like Aang being like, "I'm willing to give up the Avatar state." Oh, yeah. To save Korra. Yeah. Um, no, um, uh, Katara. Oh, Katara. Sorry. But oh, no, that's very no, that's understandable. Yeah, Katara. So I think that was also really good. I will say one. Th- Actually, no. I'm going to talk about Korra first. So favorite Korra episode by far. It's a two-parter. It's the story of Avatar One, the first Avatar. Oh my god, that because, was an amazing episode. Yeah, because the yeah. animation style is different. Yeah, it's very much yes, like yes. Um, traditional paintings where mm. it's like done on papyrus paper, mm-hmm. and the whole story of it was it was it was a great origin story of just like yeah. how the Avatar came to be, and I like that it wasn't um it it didn't necessarily have a happy ending because mm. at the end like he dies and he's like I like they're still fighting there's still war. Um, but then, like, the cycle continues. And mm. just, yeah, I thought the whole story was beautiful. Oh, I love that. I love mm. that. Oh, God. I can't even remember. I feel like there are so many scenes. Can I just pick a scene instead? Yeah, pick a scene. Honestly, I think it was the... I think it was when Cora was conveyed to be queer. I think that, to me, was just... Yeah. I don't know. It just felt a little bit groundbreaking, even though I'm an adult and I've obviously seen a lot of queer representation on my screens. Mm. I just think that, like, for a kids' TV show... Would you, would you even call it a kids' TV show? I don't know. Let's run with that. But I don't mm. know. It just... I, I loved how it was just so, like, normalised. Like, it wasn't a big deal or anything. It was just... I don't yeah. know. And also... And who was her love interest? I can't remember her name. Um, oh, was, Asami? Yeah, super yeah. hot as well. Like, yeah. I don't know. I just, I really loved like that organic relationship. Yeah. Um, where, yeah, it just wasn't questioned. It was kind of like, oh, like, you know, they might like each other. And like, that's completely fine. Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, I don't, I can't remember a particular t- episode that I really liked, but I remember that scene just stood out to me. Speaking of scenes, I just remembered. And <laughs> do you remember that scene in Avatar where Uncle Iroh is like, Wooly jacked like he's like in prison and he's like that scene where like when um when he's like to the guard I think you should take the rest <laughs> of the day off and he just busts out of prison oh and like he like pretends to be like an old man that's like and oh my god and then the moment, it was like gun. exactly and there was like a moment where like his rope just comes off and like the camera like does this pan and you just see his like ripped body and I was like is it weird that I'm turned on anyways it's not it's not 
<laughs> you know, to be fair, like you see, you think he's like kind of a fat old dude, and then like, man, he's just like oh jacked. God. I don't know what they're feeding him in prison. <laughs> you know, like he's just, it's like he's not really eating the food, but man, he's just. Oh. Uncle Iroh is an amazing character. Oh my god, there's so much to talk about. I don't, I don't even know where to begin. Okay, so important question though: mm-hmm. Why do you think Avatar: The Last Airbender is the best show ever? Um, <laughs> it's a tough question because there's so much to love. Very but there's, uh, I think, the first <laughs> reason really does tie back to this childhood nostalgia, and it mm-hmm. was the type of content that I liked to consume as a kid. Like I think. One of the main things was I was a kid that loved imagining I had powers and playing with sticks mm. and martial arts and stuff. I did like kung fu for a couple months because I, no. I was like I was like that into it. I wasn't very good because I was a little fat kid, but I still I still no. I still did it. Uh, and it was this fascination with like the fact that people could like shoot elements out of their out of their hands. They could fight each yeah. other, and yeah. it was like even now, like me watching things like anime, it's still this like fantasy of being able to have powers yourself and i think that Mm. was that really sprung from watching things like avatar and dragon ball z and that attachment and that sentiment is still in me today and so that's the first reason and then the second one is i think as you get older you watch a tv show you really notice all the nods to asian culture and it's done so in this in this medium that's it's not like forced on you it's very much consumable regardless of if you're an adult um, or a little kid and it's like just small things like designing a city to look like the forbidden city in Beijing like these nods to architecture um, what I was saying before mm. with Guru Pratik references to yoga chakras eastern medicine I think these things are all it's just it's representation in a way that's not overt it's like it's there mm-hmm. and mm. that's just there by design it's not like mm-hmm. really aggressive and I think the older I get the more I appreciate how they've done the show and how they've continued to build mm. on the world. I think I think that's been yeah. really good. What about you? I mean, completely echoing what you said before about representation. Um, I mean, I think in a line, I think Avatar to me represents a story that has all of these complex grey characters, you know, coupled in this really truly epic narrative um, that pays homage to, you know, the cultures, philosophies and aesthetics of Asian traditions. Um, completely echo what you said before about, you know, having all these real life culture influences into the show, but not in a way that I guess pits Asian cultures against each other. Like you, you clearly see that there's a big influence of Asian cultures generally across South, Southern Eastern um, cultures that kind of embed itself in the show, whether that comes from the music, the design of like the costumes, the architecture. Oh, the costumes, um, yeah. But I, yeah, the costumes, you know, like it's it's incredible. Like just like the range of cultures that they derive their influences from. Yeah. I think most importantly for me though, Avatar is this world where whiteness is not the default, but instead it's Asian characters who are the default. Mm. I think often when you, you know, watch TV shows or read storylines, the default is this white narrative where whiteness is still the prominent feature, even though there are Asian characters littered, you know, throughout the story. Um, but in Avatar, you know, you see this world where, you know, the characters are by default Asian and like it's normal. Like it's it's not something that's like pointed out like this is an Asian TV show. This is a TV show about storylines and the human condition and all these different complex things that happen to, you know, pay ode and homage to like all these different Asian influences. And it does it in a way that's so deft and so nuanced. Mm. Um, but 
like really palatable as well. And I think that's something that I find quite striking about Avatar. You know, it has this allure as a children's TV show where you have superpowers and like very big visual dynamics um, and dragons and, you know, all these magical things that would entice children naturally. But beyond that, there's all of these complexities, um, both within the storyline, but also when you look at like how they went about the production mm. of Avatar, like, and this is something we'll talk about later, about it being written by white people, but, you know, they did actually have a lot of, you know, consultants come on and I guess, ha- you know, offer that um, cultural guidance as to, you know, the influence of bending and like having martial art influences in that. Yeah. like, And I think just these very small details imbued in, the different elements of Avatar make it so amazing. That was a really big ramble, but I hope my point came across no, that no. I just really appreciated the complexity of Avatar, um, despite it being so deceptively simple about this one TV show of, you know, a kid who tries to save the world. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I, I agree with all that. And I like, I completely forgot about the dragons. And that's another great episode where they learn. Oh my God. And you, yeah. know, you see, um, you see traditional Aztec culture. It's like, it's the incorporation of fire. And obviously the sun is really important um, to people from that culture. And it's like, it's just stuff like that. They've just done it in such a great way. Cause it's so obvious when you can tell a TV show is just not consulted people from that culture. Mm -hmm. And it's just Mm -hmm. done in a super watered down way. It doesn't hit the mark. And Avatar is just... It just does. So why don't we talk about that next thing? So obviously we have to address the fact that um, Avatar um, was created by white people. Um, I think it's their names are Dan and Dan and... Michael Dante DiMartino and Brian Konetsko. Completely screwed that. I was thinking... I think, no, you know what I was thinking? Maybe I was thinking about Rick and Morty. Anyway. No, no, no. Dan, Dan, Dan is close enough to Michael. <laughs> Sorry, Michael. Um, yeah. No, I, I think that is the elephant in the room. To address, um, I mean, Kina, your thoughts first. Do you want to feel this one? Yeah, so I don't have any qualms with it because it is done so well. Mm. And that is basically as simple as I can as I, as I can put it. I think the way it respects culture, the way it blends it in seamlessly, um, they've just done such a good job of it. I don't think there's very much to, to nitpick. I think, you know... Obviously, you can throw in the argument that oh, they're profiting off, you know, animating something that's not from their culture, and they're they're talking about a story that's not inherently theirs. But I think the way they do it is it's so respectful. Um, mm. I I can see the respect in how they've they've done it, like even in the details of how they animate things, um, how the length they go to to recreate true martial arts within the show um, by having real people. In, I don't know what those suits are called, but it's the kinetic tracking mm-hmm. thing. I don't, I don't know. Animators out there, let me know. <laughs> like stuff like that. I think it's just like it really. All this just boils down to the fact that they care. They care mm-hmm. about the work they're doing. They want to make mm-hmm. a great TV show that also just nods at all these traditions that they're borrowing from. And I like. I think that is okay. I think that is completely mm-hmm. okay. But beginner here thoughts. Mm-hmm. Yes, I have two, I guess my thoughts are twofold. Um, firstly, yes, agreed, 100%. Um, and I'll touch on that as like my final point, but I do want to acknowledge the missteps that I think would naturally arise from just having, you know, creators who are white. 
Um, I think despite the obvious care and sensitivity that went into this show, I think there are still elements of Avatar that are quite Western-centric. So, for example, the cartoons themselves, I think... They just look very American. They just look like glossy American cartoons. And like, I'm not, and obviously there may be anime influences, but I don't know. It just, it looks like just a classic. If you don't, I guess if you disregard the context of Avatar, the actual drawings of the cartoons, I, I find often have quite, um, I don't know, white features. Am I, am I just overthinking this? I don't know. But to me, on like a surface level, it looks still quite white. There's like the... I'm talking about, you know, the if I'm nitpicking the characters themselves and how they're drawn. Mm. Um, but I think as well, if you look at the cast of characters who voiced the characters in Avatar, most of them are white, mm. um, which is quite egregious, I think. You know, and, and I think Avatar had, you know, gone so far in, you know, putting representation to its name, you know, having a lot of influences of real-life Asian cultures represented in the TV show, but they do miss this step of actually having Asian voices and Asian real life, Asian people bringing life to these Asian characters. Um, and I think like, you know, you even think about the live action adaptation of Avatar, oh, we all super white. We don't, we don't but that's that. not the can of worms though. So we won't get we into that. We don't talk about that. That's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think the most egregious thing for me to fight, to summarize is just the fact that they don't have, the cast of characters who are Asian to reflect the Asian characters that are representing. Um, and on top of that, I just feel like the show has just a lot of weird American idioms and influences. Like, why the fuck are the tribe of... Do you remember the, the swamp waterbenders? Why do they have, like, Southern American accents? Oh, yeah, true. I forgot about that. Do you know what I mean? Like, they're just, like, a lot of these... The swamp benders? Yeah. yeah. Like, like, was it necessary to have... American Southerners portrayed. I don't know. Like it's a very small detail, but sometimes, like when I when I remember thinking when I rewatched it, there is like a lot of you know weird influences sometimes peppered in. Mm. But I will conclude by saying that in the end, though, I think I would echo what you said, and I would agree with what you said about Avatar being this really nice blend of East and Western cultures, and I don't think it necessarily. I think it brings light to the idea that this is how you, how to not culturally appropriate um, certain cultures, right? Mm. And I think they do navigate this blend quite well, despite like the missteps. I think on the whole, they've done an incredible job of being able to portray East and Western influences and East and Western concepts into this one TV show. Mm. Um, but those are my hot takes. Yeah, no, that, that's fair. I think. Um... It's one of those things that I didn't necessarily think about. I think they're, they're, they're super valid points because these conversations are so important um, right now. And mm. it's, probably, it's probably a big sentimental thing. I just can't think... I just don't want to hate any part of the show. And oh, it's, I mean, it's I agree. Yeah, big Agreed. To it. But I think what, what will be interesting is, and this is sort of the next point... Um, many of you may know that the two creators are setting up Avatar Studios um, as essentially a cinematic universe built around Avatar, similar to Marvel or Star Wars or whatever it is. Um, they want to create content that's of that universe and they want to dedicate an entire studio to it. So I think in 2021 or 2022, when that kicks off, I think the creators mm. have an opportunity to 
think about who they um, voice or use as voice actors in the TV show. And I think, mm. you know, I, I want to I want to believe them and think that like they will start to pull in people, um, a more diverse like cast, and they want to bring in more uh, multicultural voice actors um, to actually represent the characters that they're animating. So I. They, yeah, there's definitely, we'll, we'll wait and see. Um, we'll keep you guys updated, obviously, as we follow that story because I'm going to be watching every single piece of content <laughs> that comes out of that studio. But, you know, like, what would you like to see in the future? Like, I've got a couple ideas. I want to see Uncle Iroh in his youth, like, just as a, a, oh young, my God. a younger soldier oh my God. In, the, in, yeah. in the fine mm-hmm. art, in the fire nation. Mm-hmm. I want to see the Avatar after Korra. So mm. I believe the next one is an earthbender. Ooh, yeah. interesting. Yeah, so cool. it'll be, okay. it'll be really cool know, to see that. Know. Because I'm pretty sure that's how the yeah. cycle works. It was fire before Aang, and then water after... Korra was from water, and so it must be earth. I want to see... Oh, the, yes, that would make yeah, a lot of sense. Yeah, and then I want to see the, the origin story of the Red Lotus. Like, you know in season three when there's... Um, What's that guy's name again? The guy who learns to fly because after harmonic convergence. Oh my God. Yes. There's a bunch of airbenders oh that, yes. yeah, that come out. What's yes. his name again? Yep. It's, it has a Z in it. Anyway, it's like the yep. Red Lotus, how their mission came to be, how they formed. I mm. think that whole story mm. of, oh, it's the here. That's his name. Zahir. here. The here. Yeah. Nice. That whole story <laughs> of how they fought. Um, Zuko and they thought that they fought like a bunch of other people from the White Lotus. Like, I'd love to see that. So, um, but what about you? Um, I think on a general level, I think what I would like to see is just Avatar The Last Airbender continue to transcribe a very uh, a very respectful homage to Asian cultures. I think they really nailed that on the head with the, like, the animated TV show. And I would really love to see that translation come through in a real life version or you know the cinematic universe um because you know i think the way they do it like even though the creators are white like it's never it's never seen as patronizing or never seen as like this western superiority complex where like because they're white like you know they've kind of subsumed asian stories on another level you know like i think they really do amplify and uplift these stories and do it in a way that's so i mean it's it's clearly like lasted the test of time um, so I'm really excited to kind of see and hopefully see that ability to transcribe that respectful messaging into, you know, a broader cinematic universe. Mm. Um, on like a more of a storyline level, I would really love to see, I guess, like a more complex story into Zuko's mum. Like I know they're having comics around it. Yeah. And, like, Have you read the comics? You know, I ha- Okay. So I've like, I, I cheated and I looked it up on YouTube yeah. and like all those wiki fandoms and all that but i would really love to and you know kind of see that in action um and yeah i mean i i don't care what you said i'd love to see the avatars that go beyond Korra, um more of uncle iroh's origin story maybe more of the white lotus to counter your red lotus Mm. origin story um also maybe to kind of see how ang and katara navigate having a family like i would actually like to see Mm. like them with their children with tenzin with everyone that we've seen on Korra as they were children and how they navigated parenting and all that good stuff. Um, so yeah, a lot of possibilities. In any case, very excited to see this come to life. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things where like, you know, you have, I don't know, I feel there's a lot of pressure as well to like get it right. Like you yeah, have so sure. many people 
he was so invested in this since childhood. I mean, I, I jumped on the bandwagon last year, but someone like you who's grown up with the TV show, I can imagine like the pressure that would be imposed on these creators to kind of really deliver this universe um, to its truest self. Yeah. So yeah, we shall see to be continued, but uh, we hope it goes well. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> and I think the creators know it. Like they've, there's been a couple yeah. of falling outs with Netflix because Netflix wanted more creative control. And I think those conversations mm. have led to them just being like, fuck you, we're doing it ourselves and them launching Avatar Studios. So I think they understand that not duty, but it's like they know there's expectation from the fan base and they want to do it right, which is why they want to do it the way they want to do it. And obviously, super excited for that. 100% let us know what sort of content you want to see. Let us know if you want to do more. um, Let us know if you want us to do more episodes like this because these are (laughs) super fun to record because there's a little less prep. What a great time. They're a little less prep and we can just sort of shoot the shit a little bit and talk about something that we love. So, um Give us some feedback um, if you joined this episode, as always. Wait, final question. Yeah. Sorry. What? Sorry, before you do your outro. Yeah. Who was your, your favorite Avatar character? Uh, Last Airbender or... Yeah. Or actually, you know what? Let's ask both. Last Airbender and Korra. Um, I loved King Boomy. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. Because he ate amazing. rocks and crystals. <laughs> uh, I don't know. He was just, he was a really zany, wacky mm-hmm. character. And then mm-hmm. from Korra, I loved Spirit World Iroh. Those are those those like tea those tea parties amazing. he has with spirits oh. are adorable. <laughs> and also, it's just like all the characters from Korra are really hot, you know. That was so hot. Everyone was oh so hot. You know, just like <laughs> the animation team, just like they, they, knew, they knew what they were doing. Yeah. <laughs> they knew what they were doing. Oh, amazing. No, I, I, had to, I had to ask that. Um, oh, Toph was an amazing character. Oh, every, any, every, time, every time she went, every time she was on screen, you just knew you, you'd be laughing or you just knew that it'd be a good time. Like yeah, she Toph was, was just good. no bullshit. No, like, you know, there's, there's nothing, you don't mess with top. Like she gives it to you straight. And uh, yeah, I really loved, I just, she's just fantastic. Um, Cora. Is it, can I steal Uncle Iroh as well? You can steal Uncle Iroh. There's, that no, scene. there's nothing wrong with it. I forgot about that scene. Yeah. And I remember thinking, yeah, it was really nice to see you. We again. love Uncle Iroh. Oh, what a TV show. I really want to start it again. <laughs> yeah, look, maybe we'll do that again after this. I was watching scenes of it in preparation for this TV show. So yeah. I was like, I might as well just yeah. watch the whole thing again. Make it. Might as well. Make it 10. <laughs> make it a nice round number. Um, awesome. So as always, oh. um, if you enjoy this podcast, give us a like and follow um, we'd really, really appreciate that. But otherwise, give us your feedback. We'd love to know what you think about Avatar, about these kinds of episodes. And uh, we'll catch you guys in the next one. See ya. Bye.